welcome to the Bloom Your Mind podcast, where we take all of your ideas for what you want and we turn them into real things. I'm your host, Certified Coach Marie McDonald. Let's get into it. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to episode number 40 of the Bloom Your Mind podcast. 40. That's so exciting. I just crossed 5,000 podcast downloads, which is also very exciting. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you to all of you for being here, for listening, for sending me your requests and your feedback and your thoughts. And today I have a very, very special episode for you um, to celebrate and to just um, kind of connect with you. It was an episode I didn't have planned um, and is a story that I didn't know if I would ever share. Uh, but because of a sequence of events that happened this week, I decided to to share this with you for this 40th episode. So I'm excited to be here. Um, but first, I want to say that I've been playing a lot of pickleball recently. <laughs> and I don't know if you have played pickleball, but I had been hearing about it for a long time and had never played it. I bought some paddles because I have a family of four, two kids, my husband and I, and it's a doubles game usually. So I thought it'd be something fun for us to to do. We love being active and I thought it would be fun. And so we started playing pickleball and I'm obsessed. I love it so much. It's such a good way to get exercise while giggling and laughing really hard. And also it's one of those where you feel like you're not exercising for me. That's how it is. It's like, I'll get a good workout in, but I just feel like I'm playing the whole time. So yesterday I was playing pickleball with my husband and he started using some dirty dog tactics. Okay. We're playing singles. My kids are sitting on the side taking a break and we've been playing singles for a while. And he starts like, you know, the balls on one side to return it. And then he sends like this really low ball over to the opposite corner. Super hard for me to get. And he did it enough times and we're having a blast. We're cracking up. Right. But I started to feel myself start to get a little pissy, you know, <laughs> start to get a little grumpy because I kept missing the ball over and over again. And he, my sweet husband, was cracking up. My husband, Max, one of my favorite things is when he cracks up, he will think of something. I'll like look across the kitchen and he'll just be cracking up. And I'm like, what are you laughing at? And he'll say, I just thought of this memory from when I was 15 that made me laugh. It's so delightful. And so he had that look on his face of just, he was being tickled, right? He was so tickled by these dirty dog tactics of like really making me run for the ball and me keeping, I kept missing it. And then I started getting pissy. <laughs> and I was like, I can't keep up with you. And he was laughing and he's like, are you being serious right now? And I'm like, kind of like I'm five one and you're six two and I cannot get your dirty dog tactic ones. And he's like, come on. It's so fun for me. And I was like, okay, you can keep playing like that but I'm not going to be able to return it. And it's not as fun for me. And we're still smiling and laughing, but I'm like a little like annoyed. Right. And so we keep playing and he's kind of laughing and we're playing. But the reason I'm telling you this is because I am so aware of my feelings and my mind these days takes me like 20 seconds to move through a feeling like that. I just don't really get stuck in pissiness or annoyance or any of that because very quickly I'm like, okay, if I keep thinking like this, I'm going to miss the whole game. If I stay pissed, then this is not going to be fun for me. And that's not what I want. 
And so I'll just tell him, hey, don't do those dirty dog stuff anymore. Or if you do, I don't know even what I said about whether or not I wanted him to do that anymore. But regardless, I don't stay like mad or annoyed. And I'm sharing this because, you know, I was just a a human being. I'm going to have those moments, those ups and downs. I'm a five foot one person playing pickleball with a six foot two dude. You know, it's going to be harder for me to reach the balls. But also, like, I'm going to miss the whole experience if I don't get through it fast. So the morals of this that I took away are that, number one, pickleball is ridiculously fun. Even when you're losing, it's so fun. And it's exercise that doesn't feel like exercise, so go play. But more important than that is the importance of this work is that, you know, all the stuff we talk about on this podcast is on two levels. And sometimes I don't think I talk about the second level, the pickleball level as much. There are all these episodes, all the stuff we talk about on this episode, how to do brain magic, the tool that changed everything. Your feelings are a superpower, tons of episodes and anxiety toolkit that yes, help you make big life-changing decisions, help you direct the course of your life to pursue your goals and become the human being that you want to be by doing the things in life you want to do. Yes. But also they just make life so much easier in the day-to-day. They make pickleball so much more fun (laughs) because as you really become more fluent in how your brain works, how your body works, and you know how to sort of operate your brain and body from the user manual that we talk about on this podcast by understanding your automatic thinking, your automatic somatic responses to things, you become a person that is able to just move through the stuff you don't want to be experiencing more quickly and orient yourself back to the person you want to be on the day-to-day level in response to just the things that every day brings up. So you become really fun to play pickleball instead of someone that stays pissy. So that's my ridiculous first story for you. And then secondly, I just dropped off my youngest for his first day of first grade. It was a big deal for us. We went through at our school something called the rose ceremony, which is when a senior in high school comes and gets a first grader and welcomes them into their first day of first grade. And for us, it was a really big deal because my son has experienced a lot of social anxiety and separation anxiety that came up from a bunch of social experiences he had, and they were pretty extreme. And so here he is. He's moved through those anxieties, understands how to process them, talks to us when he feels anxious about change, and then moves through it. And he went in today to this bachelorette-like ceremony. (laughs) Not really, but it's the rose ceremony where every single first grader gets a rose and starts their journey through grade school. So I'm sitting there in the auditorium watching him, sitting beside my husband. We're holding hands and kind of laughing and giggling and tearing up sometimes. And we're looking a few rows ahead and the whole school is there. So we see my daughter up in the fifth grade row, her and her little peanut gallery of friends giggling and commenting on everything. Um, She was wearing an RBG shirt and one of the first graders walked by in the same shirt and she and all her friends go up in a wave of giggles. And I'm just so full of love and I'm kind of pinching myself because I just love these three human beings so much and the community that we're a part of and that we've built. 
And my husband and I often talk about sort of how in our lives these days, sometimes we feel like we're waiting for a shoe to drop and we catch ourselves having thoughts like that. Like, oh no, is it all going to fall apart? Is something bad going to happen? Because we're really happy in our lives. We both work. We're not rich. We don't have everything super easy. We, we have all kinds of challenges that come up, but we work really hard through the challenges and we work hard at loving each other and loving our kids and at feeling a lot of gratitude for our life. And we've built a life that we do really love. And I'm sure many people wouldn't, <laughs> but we've chased the things that we love, gardens and music and lots and lots of time together as a family, hiking and adventuring and laughing and spending time with family and close friends, making things, building things. We've built a life that fits us and we love it. But I almost didn't get here. There was a time in my life where my life almost ended. I mean, really, really close to that. And if I hadn't come through that time, I wouldn't have been in that auditorium today. Watching my first grader get his rose watching my fifth grader giggle at her matching RBG shirt. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, by the way, (laughs) and sitting by my love, appreciating the life we created. So today I'm telling a story that I didn't know if I would ever tell, not in any depth. I'm not going to go super deep into details. Maybe I'll do that someday on the podcast or you can reach out to me and I'll tell you the story one-on-one, but I had an experience this week that really brought that old memory to the front of my mind. And then one of my two best friends told me she wishes everyone could hear that story because sometimes people hit a bottom in life and feel like they're in a point in life that they'll never get out of. And it's hard sometimes when we're really stuck or in a hard place in life to see that things are going to be different, that things will get easier, things will change. That is the one thing that is constant in life is change. And it's so hopeful to hear the stories of people that worked their way out of a a very bottom from their life and that worked their life back to a place that they love. So I'm going to tell my story and not so much the details again of what happened, but more what happened this week and how it felt and how it reminded me of what I've been through because I worked for years for a full decade, really, to get from my bottom back to a place that I love. So here's what happened this week. Van Morrison came to town to play. And a couple of months ago, my parents said, hey, we're going to Van Morrison. And I said, what? I'm going too. (laughs) And I bought tickets. I bought two Van Morrison tickets, one for my husband, one for myself, to go to this beautiful place called the Rady Shell in San Diego, which is a concert venue that's on the bay. So there's boats all around you and you're sitting there on the bay, this concert venue. And my husband said, what? (laughs) We're like in the lawn area, general admission. He's like, we're going to Van Morrison. All right. I mean, he knows I like Van Morrison, but I told him, no, this is in the top few musicians that I want to see in my lifetime. And he was like, wow. Okay. I had no idea. All right. We're going. Now I bought them without telling anybody and my my mom or my dad or my husband why. I bought them because 20 years ago, I hit that bottom in life. I was really, really sick. I had an eating disorder, 
where I was barely nourishing my body in any of the ways that it needed because of years of multiple types of trauma that I had been through. There were physical trauma, emotional trauma, really, really bad stuff, and lots of different kinds. And a lot of that trauma happened around me and outside of me, and I was told not to talk about it. And so I didn't. So I put it all inside of me. I just kept a lot of secrets of really, really traumatic things that had happened, and I kept those hidden inside me. But they got really dark. It made me really sick until I stopped eating. I stopped sort of functioning until one day I was so sick that I hit a physical limit and that I almost didn't make it out of. There was a night where I almost lost my life. And during that night, there was a song on that played on loop all night long. It's by Van Morrison and it's called Into the Mystic. So that song is really meaningful to me. The next morning, way back then, I was in the emergency room and I decided to start my life over. I made a decision to just surrender and try again. I started in an inpatient program for a few months, learning to have a body again, learning to put food in it, learning to eat, to breathe, to function, to communicate in the world. I just started over. So that song, Into the Mystic by Van Morrison, has always been a time warp for me. And so when my mom and dad got tickets, I bought them. So fast forward to this past week when we went to the show, to the Van Morrison show. We started out by going to dinner with my mom and dad. The four of us went to dinner. And then we walked down to the Rady Shell to see the show. As we walked, I walked by my mom. We walked and talked. It was a good 20-minute walk. And right when we were getting to the front, we started talking. And I forget how it came up, but she said something about going to the show. And I said, you know, there's a reason I actually am here. And she kind of started nodding at me. And I said, you know, that night, a long time ago, I was listening to Into the Mystic. And my mom said, I know. I told your dad that I really hope he doesn't play that song tonight because I've never been able to listen to it. And I looked at my mom and I said, let's take this song back. I said, let's make this a blue light song. Because when I was a little girl, I used to meditate and I would experience the beauty of the world around me as this blue light. And I said, let's, let's take this song back. I hope he does play it. Let's make this a celebration of life and everything that has happened in the last 20 years. And she and I gave each other this big hug and got tears in her eyes. And we said, okay. So we walked into the venue. My parents went to their really great seats and we went to the grassy lawn. <laughs> And set up our blanket in general admission. And my husband and I stood there and my husband said, what were you and your mom talking about? And I said, well, I told her why I came to this show. And he said, why are we here? And I said, well, you know, told him really quickly about how that was the song. And he scooped me up in his arms and he hugged me and he said, if he plays that song, I got you. So we go through the concert. And sitting in front of us in these chairs is there's an old woman, an older woman, maybe in her late 80s, early 90s, that's in an, a wheelchair. And she has her two twin daughters sitting in, on either side of her. And then another person from her family that it looked it look like from her family sitting there in folding chairs. 
And I just kept watching as Van Morrison was playing, as they put a blanket around her head to keep her warm, danced in front of her to certain songs, took selfies with her, just took the most amazing care of her. And then halfway through the concert, Van Morrison played the only song out of his old repertoire, out of all Moondance and Brown Eyed Girl and Have I Told You Lately, and like all these songs that we all know, the only recognizable one that wasn't from the last, you know, 10 or so years, he starts playing Into the Mystic. And the girls pull their mom out of her wheelchair and dance with her. And my husband picks me up and wraps his arms around me. And dances with me and I have tears streaming down my face. And there are blue lights that are shining all around the amphitheater. Just happened that they turned on all these blue lights. And it was so beautiful. And at the end of that concert, I went to the woman and I crouched in front of her and I said, it was so special to be sitting behind you today. And she looked at me and she had this beautiful smile and she got tears in her eyes. And I said, you know, watching you with your daughters and the life that you have created fills me with love and hope and the knowledge of what I get to experience with my mom and with my children someday when I'm in your place. I told her a long time ago in my life, I went through something really, really hard and Van Morrison was playing. And tonight was really important to me and you made it so much more beautiful. And she looked at me and she said, thank you for that. And she cried. She said, I just had cancer and I came through cancer and my children helped me through it. And the most important thing in life is to be in all of the moments with the people that you love. She said, there's always so much to do, but when it rains, I used to put all my daughters in the car and say, let's go find the end of the rainbow. The most important thing, she said, is to stop what you're doing and be in this moment of life. And she said, and here you and I are in it together. (laughs) We just cried and then we left. And I will never forget, there was a moment when Van Morrison played a song I don't really know, but he said, it takes a worried man to sing a worried song, but I won't be worried for very long. I'm going to look up that song. I'm going to find that song. I'm going to put it right beside into the mystic and know that that's the emblem of the life that I've created. And it will always remind me that things will always change and things will always get better. And the more we do this work, the more agency we have in that. So that's what I've got for you today, my friends. Episode number 40. Thank you for being here with me. And I will see you next week. Thanks for hanging out with me, friends. If you like today's episode and you want more of them, please take two minutes right now to subscribe and give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Then send this episode to a friend. See you next time.